Well, this morning, uh, the sermon I'm going to preach is kind of a standalone sermon. Uh, I had finished my, my series on Colossians last week, but in the midst of that series, you ever have a song that you hear that you can't get out of your brain? I had one of those phrases from a song that I couldn't get out of my brain, out of my spirit, and I realized that that was probably because I was supposed to preach on it. Um, but do you ever have a song that you don't like initially? This was that song. My wife, her uncle sent her this song, and, and she played it for me. I said, that's a dumb song. Well, I just didn't like it. Irene, can you play that clip of this song? Go back just a little bit. Okay, turn it up a little bit more. Thank you. There's honey in the rock, water in the storm. Men are on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you got this honey in the rock. Okay, turn it down. Now, can you imagine walking into a church? And not knowing anything about the Word of God, and, and, and going to a retreat, not knowing anything about this faith stuff, and hearing a bunch of people in a room singing, There's honey in a rock. I'm looking at my wife and say, Honey, these people are crazy. Let's go home. I mean, a phrase like honey in the rock. What in the world is that? Where does it even come from like why are we singing about there's honey in a rock and so i wanted this morning look at that phrase honey in a rock or honey from the rock as we see it in scripture providing a little bit of context and immediately when i heard that song i i thought of moses right and moses was called by god to lead his people uh we we, we can read this in the book of of exodus uh, he was called by God to lead the people out of, out of slavery in Egypt, and he was to lead them to the promised land. And it was a land that was described to him as a land flowing with milk and honey. All right, well, that makes sense. Well, historically, what I've read, and, and I'm going to get to a lot of biblical stuff, so I just want to get this piece out of the way before I get started. Historically, what I've read is, is in that region, there are a lot of rocky crags and cliffs, and so what tends to happen in those rocky crags and cliffs is that's where the bees like to go. And they make their hives. And so they say typically in the summer when it gets to a certain temperature, the honey literally starts to flow out onto the rocks and down. And people say that honey is the best honey. And so they like risk their lives climbing rocky cliffs to harvest honey because they say it's the best honey. Now, that's the, the historical application. That's where we see literally Honey, a land flowing with, with milk and honey. Now, I read in Scripture, there's a chapter that we're going to be in today for the entirety of our sermon. I'm going to jump around a little bit too. But, but it's based on Psalm 86, or 81. So Psalm 81, if you want to go there, if you don't want to go there, we'll be there quite a bit. Um, but this is where we see it. So this is the entirety of the psalm. This psalm was written by David. It says, Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Begin the music. Strike the timbrel. Play the melodious harp and lyre. Sound the ram's horn at the new moon and when the moon is full and on the day of our festival. This is the decree for Israel. An ordinance of the God of Jacob. 
When God went out against Egypt, he established it as a statute for Joseph. I heard an unknown voice say, I removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the basket. In your distress, you called and I rescued you. I answered you out of a thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear me, my people, and I will warn you. If you would only listen to me, Israel, you shall have no foreign god among you. You shall not worship any god other than me, because I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemy and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. But you, verse 16 would be fed with the finest wheat, with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. This psalm is, is really interesting to me. When we read Psalm 81, the beginning of this psalm, it is set on a festival or a feast that, that, the, that the Israelites or the Jewish people celebrate. It's actually a feast that they'll celebrate starting next Sunday. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Tents or Booths, depending on which person you talk to. It's a feast in which it's set apart to celebrate a specific time in their history. It's a feast that's set apart to celebrate, literally, it's called the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. And they say still today, Jewish people, they'll put tents or they'll put sheets outside. And the men and boys live in those tents for seven days. Why? Because they're remembering their time in the wilderness. Greg, what if we had a feast of hospitals? Where we looked back and we celebrated our time in the, in the hospital. I mean, this isn't about the deliverance. This isn't about when they were brought up out of Egypt. This is specifically a festival that they have, a feast that they have designated to remember their time in the wilderness. Psalm 81, for a a remembrance of the wilderness, starts in a really interesting place. Shout for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Sing for joy, sorry. Begin the music, strike the timbrel, play the melodious harp and lyre, whatever those are. Sound the ram's horn at the new moon when the moon is full and on the day of our festival. Like, we're celebrating the feast of of tabernacles or the feast of, of booths And the psalmist is saying, position yourself for praise. Praise God, not for the deliverance from Egypt or the the entrance into the promised land, but I want you to sing with joy. I want you to shout with praise for the wilderness. What? Greg, let's shout for praise for the hospital. Let's sing with praise for that that challenging time. 
But the reality of this psalm is that it's, it's definitely about the wilderness. And the psalmist is reminding us that there is a point or a position of praise when it comes to our wilderness experience. Sometimes it's hard for us to get to that place. We're looking back or wondering what or why we went through the wilderness being able to position ourselves to pray, to praise. You see, the reality is we all have a wilderness. As I was looking at, at this particular celebration, you know, John, in the beginning of the Gospels, when we meet him, do you know where he's at? He's in the wilderness. He's actually calling people out to the wilderness. Jesus, when, when he starts his ministry, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted, right, for 40 days. The reality for me is that we're all in a wilderness. Where was the wilderness position for the Israelites? Wilderness began at deliverance and ended with fulfillment. You know, 25 years ago, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was delivered 25 years ago. It's not until I I achieved the crown that's been set before me that I fully inherit every promise or fully get to live in every promise that is mine. Currently, I'm living in the wilderness, the time between deliverance and the time between fulfillment. That's the season in which I'm living. Sometimes when we say wilderness, our wilderness is a lot rougher. You know, I was thinking about this. How long were they in the wilderness? Forty years. I bet some days were harder than others. Like, do you, do you, I imagine at some point they forgot they were in the wilderness. Like it was life. Some days were good. Like their wife got up early and made them breakfast in bed or cot. Like there were good days in the wilderness. But the reality was, that, that, that this festival was set up. And what's happening in Psalm 81 is we're positioning ourselves to be able to look at our wilderness in praise. You know what's interesting? I said this festival starts next Sunday for the Jewish faith. It is something about the intentionality of, of, of repeating things. The festival's coming whether or not things are good this year or things are bad this year. The festival's coming whether we're hungry and thirsty or whether we've had the best year of our life. It's going to be a festival. Today we're celebrating communion together. It's something that we do ritualistically. I'm going to use that word, but but there's a point in the ritual. We celebrate communion on the days where things are going great, and we celebrate communion on the days where we're wondering, God, are you real or not? There's a position in us of, of, of entering into this moment the, that, that it's not dependent on where I am today, but it's dependent on what God has already accomplished. That's what we're experiencing in the feast, in this particular uh, chapter in, in the book of Psalms. So he says, I want you to think about your wilderness And I want you to praise God for your wilderness. Why? Because God's doing something in the midst of your wilderness. So this is the deliverance point. I removed the burden from their shoulders. That's when I brought them up out of Egypt. 
And, I, and their hands were set free from the baskets. If you don't recall this, you can go back and look at what was happening with the people of God. They were in slavery, and it was, it was a bondage. It was a time of oppression. It was a time where they, they, they were trying to break, basically, the Hebrew people. That was the point of the Egyptians. They didn't want them to have time to think about God, so they just gave them more work. I mean, literally, that's what's going on. They didn't want them to think about rebellion, so they made them do more stuff. I mean, that was the position in which they were. And God brought them out of this. In your distress, you called, and I rescued you. I answered you out of a thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear me, my people, and I will warn you, if you would only listen to me, Israel, you shall have no foreign god among you. You should not worship any god other than me. Oops. Remember what happened? I mean, think about these two verses. So he said, in your distress, you called, and I rescued you. There were these people that were chasing them, right? That was the Egyptians. They called out to God and he did what? He rescued them. He, he parted the Red Sea and made it close. He set them free from the Egyptians. And then Moses goes up onto a mountain. What happens when Moses is on the mountain? It's enveloped by a thundercloud. See, we're going back. We're remembering what God has done. We're remembering what God did for us in the midst of our wilderness. We're remembering what God has accomplished for us. In your distress, you called out to me. I showed up at a thundercloud. That thundercloud also followed them, right? They built a tabernacle. And when the presence of God was there, what happened? It was enveloped with a cloud. He led them with a cloud by day and fire by night. The thundercloud was all about their wilderness. I tested you at the waters of Mirabah. We'll come back to that. You shall have no foreign gods among you. When Moses was on the mountain, what happened? It was a long time in coming, right? And we just had a fire and poof, out came a gold calf. Sometimes a position of praise isn't just about what went right. Can you imagine this? Shout for joy about the time you rebelled. Remember this. Let's sing the song about our rebellion. Get the tambourine out and let's sing about this, this season. But I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. They were hungry and God sent them quail. They were hungry and God gave them Manna in the wilderness. You know, it's, it's a position for us that, we, that we, we have a remembrance of the wilderness, but we position ourselves for praise in the midst of our wilderness. Because God is with you. You see, what he's saying is, I never left you in the midst of the wilderness. I heard you when you cried. I fed you when you complained. I protected you when you were scared. I never left you. What happened at Mirabah? Here we see it in the book of Exodus, chapter 17. Man, talk about wilderness. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin. Seems to be a great place to remember. Traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. 
They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for their water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt and make our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Oreb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. This is Mirabah. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? What's happening in this story is God has, has brought them out, but we're seeing the humanity of the Israelites. We're seeing the flesh of the Israelites come out. They come out, they've been fed, but now we're thirsty. I just want to drink. And because they were thirsty, they began to, it says in Scripture, quarrel with Moses and quarrel with God. I heard a, a sermon on these verses, and, and, the, and the, the one who preached it said this word quarreling literally meant like to have a legal offense with, almost to the point of, of divorce. They were lodging a legal complaint with God through Moses. And the end of that, lodge a legal complaint with your wife, where does that typically end? Divorce, right? Separation. That's the position the Israelite. Why are we remembering this? Because I was with you. And even when you quarreled with me, Even when you were filing complaints with me, I called on Moses. And Moses took his rod and he struck the rock and water flowed from the rock. Wait a minute, Pastor, you sang about honey from the rock. I'm getting there. We're remembering what God did. This moment was so powerful with Moses. And in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, Luke talked about this a few weeks ago. Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, right? But this rock, <laughs> that became a problem because the second time he struck it, wasn't supposed to strike it. He was just supposed to speak to it. So he was given the reality that he was going to lead the people to the promised land, but he would not go into the promised land with the people. Luke talked about that season of passing on a legacy. And so as Moses is just at the precipice of, uh, of the promised land, and as he's handing the mantle over to Joshua to lead God's people in the promised land, we see a song in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And he sings about a rock several times in this song. Deuteronomy 32, verse 3, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect. 
in all his ways are just, a faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. The first time in Scripture we see God described, the Lord God described as the rock. He continues in this song in verse 13. He made him, being Israel, right on the heights of the land and fed him with the fruit of the fields. He nourished him with honey from the rock and with oil from the flinty crag. See, Moses has this perspective on the rock. You, he's talking to these people, he's thinking he deserted the rock who fathered you, who you forgot the God who gave you Gave you birth, but their rock is not like our rock, as even our enemies concede. He said, we experienced provision from the rock. Paul writes about this in the book of 1 Corinthians. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, guess what? Our ancestors, they were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. Where are we at? But remembering, they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all had the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. He didn't leave them. He didn't forsake them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Paul is saying what Moses came to realize, there is a rock, that rock is the Lord our God, that rock is Jesus Christ, and through that rock comes our provision in the wilderness. Think about it. What did Moses have to do in order for the promise or provision of God to come forth from the rock have to be? What did he have to do? He had to strike the rock. He had to take his staff and strike the rock. You know, it's funny. My Sunday school in me gets this picture of Moses walking up to the rock. and You know what I mean? I just get this picture of Moses. He's dignified. He's just walking up and he's just... And all of a sudden the water comes. You know, like he hit the right combination. Why would he say strike the rock? There was something aggressive. There was something forceful in what was Mo- what Moses was doing when he came to the rock. Guess what? The rock was stricken. Jesus Christ, they struck his body. They struck his hands and they struck his feet and nailed him to a cross. And because of the blows that he received, there's water that comes from the rock for you and I in the midst of our wilderness. What happened the second time? They were thirsty again, right? They came to the same place. They knew what happened here. And God said to Moses to do what? Speak to the rock. You see, because the rock only had to be struck once. Now he just had to speak to the rock. Now he just had to speak to the rock and what would come forth? Provision would come forth from the rock. In the midst of their wilderness, the the people of God continually saw provision that came from the rock. Apparently, at some point, they went to the rock and honey flowed from the rock. Moses sang about it. 
The psalmist wrote about it. There is honey in the rock in the midst of your wilderness. But sometimes in our wilderness, we lose sight of the rock. The promise of the psalmist for you and for me in my wilderness, if my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would, be, would last forever, but you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock, I will satisfy you. I want to say today that there's a rock in our wilderness. That's the time in which we live that desires to satisfy you. When Jesus was at the well, remember this story? Jesus is at the well with a woman and she's drawing water. And he says, will you draw me some? And, and, and you know, all that stuff's going on. He tells her what? If you would only drink the water I offer you, you will be satisfied and you will never thirst Again, we have a God who longs to satisfy us. He longs to satisfy us on the mountaintop and he longs to satisfy us in the valley. He longs to satisfy us in the desert of sin and he longs to satisfy us in the, in the plush garden of wherever. There's honey in the rock. There's some conditions. Remember, because these people, they were screwing up. They were rebelling. They were not following God's ways. They were doing what they wanted. They were complaining and grumbling. They, they, they were constantly going through the, the reality of our life. I mean, I always look at the, the Israelites and I say, man, I recognize that. I, I resemble that. I, I, I Probably more than I should at times. I grumble and complain. I, I rebel at times. I do what I want at times. I don't listen to God. But he says two very simple things. You want honey from the rock? There's two simple things you got to do. If, it's an if, right? There's a then statement. I like if-then statements because if I do this, then this is the outcome. That's a good math formula. Don't shake your head. Math is beautiful. God's love language. If, my people would only listen to me. And if Israel would only flow, follow my ways, how hard is it if we listen and follow his ways? What does he say he's going to do? Huh? If my people will listen to me and follow my ways, I would subdue their enemies. There's enemies in the wilderness. Scripture says in this world, people will hate us. We should expect to be persecuted. We should expect to be hated. We should expect to have problems. We should expect people that don't like us because of who we are. If my people would listen to my voice and obey my ways, I will subdue their enemies. 
and turn my hand against their foes. Not only is he going to slow them down, but he's going to defeat them. He's going to stop them. If my people would listen to my voice and obey what, what I say, I would feed them with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. If my people, in the midst of their wilderness, would listen to my voice. You know, there's some here who are wondering. So what did he say? Remember the word? There's some here who are, who are questioning. Who are wondering, where are you, God, in the midst of my... He didn't say wilderness, but I'll say wilderness. In the midst of my situation, in the midst of my circumstance, there's some who are wondering... He said, listen to my voice and obey what I say and I'll subdue those enemies. Salvation will rise up. I'll feed you with the finest of wheat and and honey that comes from the rock. Not only will I feed you, you know what I love about the thought of honey? Like, I mean, who's when they're hungry, they go to the... This might happen, so don't raise your hand. I'm not trying to incriminate anyone right now. Most normal people, when you're hungry, they don't go to the closet or the pantry and grab the little bear that's in there that's full of honey and just squeeze it over their mouth until they're satisfied. Right? Honey's for after my steak. Put some honey on grandma's biscuits and and we'll have church. Like it's dessert. It's the good things. There's a promise not just to feed you, to give you what you need, but the promise that I read in this is that there's blessing, there's provision, there's satisfaction that comes from the rock. You guys can come forward. If I listen and if I obey, You know, the context of this in our wilderness is that God really has given us a feast to remember our wilderness. We come to his table and we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done. We celebrate who we've become in him. We say communion is an opportunity to look back, to look at today, and to look at what's coming. That's what the Feast of Tents is about. To look back, to look at today, and to look at what's coming. There's honey in the rock. This morning, we're going to prepare ourselves for communion at his table. It's an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus Christ has done. This morning, I'm going to ask if some people can pass the elements out. Pass those out as well. Psalm 81, the festival starts with praise. 
Psalm 81, the feast starts with a position of singing for joy to God our strength, shouting aloud to the God of Jacob, beginning the music, striking the timbre, playing the melodious harp and lyre. As, as the worship team leads us in a chorus today, I want to challenge you to think about your wilderness. Think about what God has done. Think about those moments where it could only be Him. Think about the moment that you met Jesus Christ for the very first time when some mean Caiapha guy drug you to a retreat. Think about the moment you were at your wit's end quarreling with God because you thought you were dying. And He brought water from the rock. Put yourself in a, in a position of praise. Hopefully you're still thinking. Has everyone been served this morning? says in 1 Corinthians, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, he took some bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God, we thank you for the body of Jesus Christ. 
We thank you that through his body came our deliverance. That through his body being struck, living water flowed for me to drink. We remember Jesus Christ and what he endured. We remember Jesus Christ and what he's done in communion today. Let us partake. says in the same way after supper he took a cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes God today is a day of proclamation today is a day of declaring today is a day of knowing that you are a God who is with us God, we proclaim the death of Jesus Christ because we know that Jesus came and they would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We know that Jesus who was with them is Jesus who is with us. We know the God who never left the Israelites is the God who will never leave me. We know that through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of my sin was made, made atoned for God. And we receive our promises through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us partake. You know, normally this is enough, right? Like, it's good. We celebrate the rock. But this morning, I don't know if this is sacrilegious or not, but I got one more element I want to add to our festival. Can I have my ushers come back? Because there's honey in the rock. I might have given you too many, Jim. Give Trevor a few of those. I'm going to let you guys sing in just a second because this is about to get good. You know, as I was thinking about this morning, we come to the table and we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done. He said there's not just water in the rock, but there's honey in the rock for you. And that's honey that will absolutely satisfy you. I don't know what your wilderness looked like. I don't know what needs you might have. I don't know what you've been facing, but I know I've got a God who loves you. I know there's a God who wants to meet your needs. I know there's a God that wants to bring water from a rock in your life so you can be satisfied. You may not have expected it to come from pastor. You may not have anticipated that that part of remembrance would be a, a honey stick, but that's just what God did. That's just 
who God is. He says, I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to do the incredible. From the rocks, I'm going to bring forth everything that you need. I don't know what you need. I don't know what your wilderness is. I don't know what you've been facing or how you've been quarreling. But I know God this morning put a sermon on my heart three weeks ago so you could hear today there's honey that's coming from the rock. Some, you might need to grab this thing, use your teeth, or find a pair of scissors if you got fake ones, and drink this up right now. Some might say, you know what? I just need to keep the honey. Because it's been good, but I know wilderness is coming. And I need to know that there's honey in the rock. I need to know that God will satisfy. So this morning as they sing this song about the goodness of God, I want you to think about honey that's coming from the rock. Think about what situation you need the impossible. What situation you need the incredible. What situation you've been wrestling with the Lord about. And ask Him through Jesus Christ who is the rock. To satisfy. This is your time to sing. There's honey in the rock. Honey, these people aren't so crazy singing about honey in a rock. The rock is Jesus Christ and He will meet every need that you have. He will satisfy you. a few loaves and some fish and they ate till they were full. We've got a God who satisfies. Someone needs to hear about honey in the rock. I think Pastor Tara got these at the honey store. Shameless plug. A hundred of them for 18 bucks. You go share with someone about honey in the rock. You go tell someone there's honey in the rock for you because of what Jesus Christ has done. I don't want anyone to not be satisfied. No matter how hard this season is, no matter how tough this wilderness seems, how hot the sun has become, Jesus Christ has been struck so there will always be provision from the rock. If my people would only listen to me, I'm going to change it. If Crawford would only follow my ways, I would subdue their enemies. With my hands, I would hold them back. I would give them the finest of wheat. I will feed them with the finest of wheat and bring forth honey from the rock that will satisfy. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you truly find honey.